Coming up on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast, Perry Montoya is a travel writer, and he's led many trips to Israel to help people study biblical history. But now he's on a new journey as he steps into the world of sarcoidosis. I was having some parotid gland involvement that was pretty nasty. Looked like I had two avocados on the sides of my, you know, one on each of the sides of my face. Perry has sarc in his lungs, lymph nodes, liver, thyroid, and kidneys. But he still has a great outlook on life. There's a couple of things that I'm still working through and trying to find. I, I don't. The good news is National Jewish in Denver, um, shout out to them. Wonderful experience in going there this last June in that they were able to rule out not in my brain, not in my spine, not in my eyes. Perry's story is coming up. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and Happy New Year. This is episode 105 of the FSR Sark Fighter Podcast. I am your host, John Carlin. This episode is brought to you by Atire Pharmaceuticals. To learn more about their new pulmonary sarcoidosis trial called FSOFIT, visit stopsarcoidosis.org slash Atire Trial. And of course, I'll put a link in the show notes. So I do this podcast to kind of help you understand what's going on with you and to give you a sense of hope as you deal with this unpredictable disease, sarcoidosis. And as I mentioned back in episode 103, there is a real need for all of us to have closure in our lives. Relationships, unfortunate situations, you name it. Um, but psychologists have determined that if something is left unresolved, that our brains never close that folder, right? So they stay open until the answer is known. So if you, if someone just suddenly ghosted you and you don't know why, you, you would continue to wonder and that, that folder would stay open in your brain. And then at least if you find out what happened, then your brain will close that folder so it can basically free up space. Think of your brain as a big giant hard drive, if you will. It'll free up space and it can process other information. But as long as it's open, it's kind of raw and your brain will continue to to consider all of the options and it, and it drives us nuts, right? So, but if our brains can close up a situation and tuck it away, that space is freed up and we process again that other information. It's, psychologists say it's a safety feature that's designed to reduce stress, right? So the, the easier it is to think about all the different things that are coming at us in our day, the, the easier it'll be to deal with it and the less stress we would have, right? So you, unfortunately, if you're listening to this, have sarcoidosis or you're a caregiver or maybe a researcher trying to find answers, but you don't know, let's say you, you have sarcoidosis, you don't know how or why you got it. You don't know what's next. You don't know if you can find the right doctor. You don't know uh, whether the medicines will work. After all, there is still no medication developed specifically for sarcoidosis, right? Everything that, that they give us is 
a medication that was essentially developed for something else, and they just kind of discovered that sometimes, in, in case of prednisone, most times it works, at least for a little while. But then if the medication works, you're wondering, well, what are the side effects? And, and I just mentioned prednisone, and I, I don't mean to beat a dead horse with that if you've been listening to the podcast, but there are so many side effects with prednisone, the cure can be worse than the disease. And so sarcoidosis can attack then, if you think about it, just about anything in our bodies, any organ in our bodies. So then you need to find another doctor who is a specialist for whatever organ might be damaged by the granulomas that come with sarcoidosis. So if you have cardiac involvement, you need a heart specialist. Most people fighting sarcoidosis have pulmonary sarcoidosis in their lungs, right? So you need you need a, a pulmonologist. Um, I have a neurologist because I have sarcoidosis on my spinal cord. So so you need a specialist in addition to who, whatever doctor deals with sarcoidosis, then you need a specialist to tell you what's wrong, you know, what are we going to do to fix the problems that were caused on that particular organ. So my point here is that there are so many issues with sarcoidosis that cannot easily be resolved. So those folders stay open. You can't get closure. And the stress from having your your desktop, if you will, full of these unanswered questions just adds additional stress on top of what you're already feeling from the disease. And I, I wish that I had a lot of answers for it. I wish that there were answers to be had, right? Medical science is now beginning to recognize the need for those of us who are in this orphan disease space and through FSR, I've interviewed many specialists here on the podcast who are giving us the best answers that they can. They're telling us where they are looking. They're telling us which rock they're turning over, trying to figure out. And they're, they're, they're way beyond just turning over random rocks, trust me. But, but they're still looking for the best answers that they can. And of course, many, many patients and caregivers have joined me here on the podcast to share their stories. So whether it's somebody else talking about how sarcoidosis has affected them, or whether it's a researcher saying, look, we think we're, we're making progress here, or whether it's somebody from FSR, which is the umbrella organization which is driving all of this, whether it's trying to, to help patients deal mentally with what they're fighting, or whether they are funding um, or recruiting researchers, you know, whatever it is, that's FSR. And, you know, they come on and they talk about all the different things that are going on. All of that, hopefully, my hope is that the podcast helps you learn more about what you're craving to know, to give you as many answers as possible and to close those open folders, maybe just a little bit, and help relieve the stress of all those unanswered questions. And then, and then if, we, if we do see progress, like what we're seeing with the research being done at ATAR Pharma, which is a sponsor of this podcast, but, but they have, uh, they're in clinical trials now uh, for their drug, and it's called FSOFIT, and there's a link in the show notes. But uh, not because they're a sponsor, but just because they are, they're really leading the charge right now with this drug. Um, there's hope that there is a cure or better treatments out there, 
And you can rest assured that as soon as I know about it, if you listen to the podcast, you will too. All right. So uh, that's a long way of saying that, that I'm hoping this podcast gives you hope or resolves some of those issues or normalizes sarcoidosis in a way that is that is helpful to you. All right. On, on the personal side, I'm just back from a Disney cruise. We did that in mid-January 2024, and uh, we left Port Canaveral in Florida. We went to the Bahamas, and it was nice and warm down there. Did my spirit good, um, and I was there. I traveled with two of my son's families, meaning four of the seven grandchildren were with us. They're young. They're young, five and under, uh, and and they were a handful, and they were adorable at the same time. And Disney just really does it right. Um, It it, it was just, the the staff on that boat is everywhere, and they just could not be more helpful. A wonderful life experience for my wife and I, lots of pictures, lots of memories, uh, and I will say lots of food. Man, they feed you on those cruises, and all of it is good. And as we're getting on, um, one of the one of the guys taking the tickets said, "Let me tell you about two. Let me tell you two things." He said, "It's okay to have two entrees, and it's okay to have two desserts." And yeah, so I did have two desserts a couple of times. But um, so now I'm coming off the holidays. I've gone on the cruise. I've gone through COVID. Uh, but I haven't really been able to focus on what I normally do in January, like most people, is the New Year's resolution of losing a few pounds. So I haven't really addressed that yet, and I didn't think it was actually worth it because I knew I was going on this cruise, but I am now 15 pounds over my normal weight. So uh, I'll be hitting the gym even harder, uh, and I probably will do an Adkins-style diet for a few weeks and then go with a paleo diet. Have you heard of the paleo diet? It's basically eat anything a caveman would eat because uh, according to medical science, if, if you believe this theory that our bodies are still sort of um, evolved from that, so whatever a caveman could eat, uh, which is pre-agriculture, if you will, so hunter-gatherer, uh, think of that. Uh, if there was a plant that they could eat, that they could find, good. Um, if there uh, were nuts on trees or apples, good. And of course, uh, if they were um, if they were out there uh, hunting mastodons and eating meat, then good. And that so according to the paleo diet, the theory is eat whatever a caveman could have eaten. Uh, for me, that's basically proteins and greens and and the occasional fruit, uh, and I'll do that for as long as I can stand it. Hopefully uh, through the winter months here and as we get into spring, normally I can carry that through, and then I get on the bicycle in earnest and start doing some long miles, and that burns a lot of calories. And, uh, you know, I eat a lot of Chipotle, that type of stuff. But in the meantime, I'm afraid it is time starting tomorrow to say so long, potato chips, cookies, and bread and butter. I'm going to miss you. I really am. But 
I know I will feel better too. Processed foods do not mix well with inflammation, which comes with sarcoidosis. So hopefully there will be an upside to everything I'm missing. Okay. Um, so, uh, and, and I hope that maybe uh, if you are in the same boat as I am, we can go through this journey together. And, and I have done a lot of different things. I, uh, and I will put back in the show notes. Uh, I did a lot of podcasts and I really benefited from uh, the help from uh, Nourish by Lindsay. And Lindsay uh, is a nutritionist whose husband has sarcoidosis. And she got me on something called the elimination diet, especially when I was dealing with with uh, trying to lose the weight after prednisone and, and all of these other things um, that really uh, focus on having an anti-inflammatory diet. And the elimination diet is that. And so she has a website, Nourished by Lindsay. I'll put a link in the show notes, Lindsay Nuremberg. And uh, if you want to reach out to her, I would highly recommend it, especially this time of year when we're all kind of trying to do a hit the reset button. Um, yeah, I, I think that it helped me a lot back then. Uh, and I grab bits and pieces of that. I don't have to go full on with the elimination diet, um, but you might. And I think that if you are dealing with some of the issues I dealt with, you you would find that very helpful. So Nourished by Lindsay, uh, this is just, a, she's not a sponsor or anything like that. Uh, just want to know that that is, that is somebody who really knows and really cares and, and, and in my case really helped. And there's a lot of stuff that you think you know about going to the grocery store, but you don't. Or, or I didn't. Let's put it that way. All right. Coming up, um, I have for you my conversation with Perry Montoya in Utah. And that'll be right after the break here on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. I feel like a zombie just feeding at stumbling Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. Welcome back to the FSR Sark Fighter Podcast. And joining me now from Salt Lake City is Perry Montoya. Perry, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, John. Good to be with you this morning. Yeah. So uh, you're a fellow Sark fighter. Uh, uh, you know, welcome to the community, um, <laughs> such as it is. Uh, how are you feeling today? Oh, thanks for asking. That, that's Isn't that the question we all wrestle with, it, right? It is. Yeah, right. I, I feel like a newbie when I understand what you and many others have been through for a long time. I'm, uh, I've been about a year diagnosed now, just over a year. And so um, today, thanks for the question. Today, it, it, I, cold in Salt Lake City. And so the cold, I don't know if that's true of all Sark fighters, but uh, I, cold affects me in a, in a way that's pretty rugged. And so it's been a rough morning, but I'm, I'm doing okay. Okay. So you're feeling in, in your bones as it were? Yeah. I think, is that the description? I, I, yeah. I, 
That's something my grandmother used to say, you know, I feel the cold in my bones. So <laughs> I don't know, yeah. but, but it always kind of worked. So um, tell, tell us a little bit about your situation with Sark. You've got multiple organ involvement. I do at this point. I, I uh, again, onset December of, of last year, 2023, and uh, sorry, 2022. And um, as that involvement started, um, what's known as Hereford syndrome is, is how they first diagnosed what I was having. I was having some parotid gland involvement that was pretty nasty. Looked like I had two avocados on the sides of my, you know, one on each of the sides of my face. And like, like you had mumps. I mean, it really uh, looked like the that. mumps. Yeah. Like, that's a good wow. description. Uh, very, very large, uh, enlarged. And it had been uh, like it is this year. It had been a pretty heavy snow year. And so with, uh, with that coming on quickly, and the parotid involvement and some pain and fever, uh, those types of things help them uh, start to, to nail down on sarcoidosis. And then uh, several months later, as I gave those same descriptions, um, and we can talk about that later, but at National Jewish in Denver, they said yeah, probably Hereford syndrome. And so that Hereford's now, um, yes, uh, that was my first involvement. They stumbled upon a couple of different um, x-rays with some breathing issues I was having and found innumerable nodules in my lungs. And so I do have granulomas throughout my lungs, my lymph nodes. So multiple involvement in that way. And then also um, some type of nodules on liver, on kidney and on um, in, in thyroid. So there's a couple of things that I'm still working through and trying to find. I, I don't, the good news is National Jewish in Denver, um, shout out to them, wonderful experience in going there this last June in that they were able to rule out not in my brain, not in my spine, not in my eyes. Um, so some of the, the players that can get pretty nasty too, you, you know that of course. Um, I do. <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so that's where we are at this point is still working on the, the mostly lungs, lymph nodes, and then some of the other side effects of, of those other organ involvements. So you're, you're other than the cold that we already talked about, but your day-to-day -day walking around health and ability to function can you you know how has it impacted you that way oh that's a great question for me that was largely the the first awareness that i was in trouble that crazy snow day in december of 2022 um i shoveled maybe five times that day the a pretty we've got a pretty good sized walk out front and to be honest i love it i love the physical i want to get out and do it i people keep telling me buy the snowblower i don't want the snowblower i like the shovel and uh, it's enjoyable to get out and go. And so after five times that day, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get back in, uh, to my next level of my house. I, I literally uh -huh. stayed that night in the lower level and, and, um, refused sweating and some other things. And so some of those things are starting to come back in, in some form. And, and that's intriguing to me. Um, like most of us, I've had my, my course of prednisone. I've had some other medications that were for me, very nasty players. Uh, and so now distancing from those, I'm currently not on any treatment as far as medication. And so I've had some time to know what was illness, what was prednisone, what was perhaps with Herefords, the very beginning stages, what's lingered. And so some of that lingering now, you know, when you ask the good question of how am I today, that means uh, I can weigh through now and say yeah, the illness is causing some things to where I'm still very weak. Uh -huh. I tell people, uh, having been a robust, I feel like a robust person. There are many days where I feel like I start the morning and if you were to push me, I'd fall over. So I'm still not there, um, though I've, I feel like I've had some improvements. But that's 
the winter's brought some of that. I've had quite a bit of cramping that's returned in my legs and, and arms. Talk about that a little bit, because that's 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 something that um, that I've suffered with as well. So uh, is this one like when you're lying in bed at night and you, get, you just get a cramp in your leg? Can you describe that? Yeah, that's a, a good question. I yes, that's I, it's more when I'm I'm down that I notice it. Um, right now, if I pause and think about it, those same cramps are still there. But yes, at nighttime, that's something that um, affects me as I lay down. It affects my sleeping. Um, I've tried various remedies, to, you know, for that. Even even you know, athletes, some athletes are drinking pickle juice. You probably heard that before, maybe. I, but I, um, I do it. Yeah, when I'm, I'm when I'm on a really long bike ride, I drink pickle juice. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fan. I've so I've done some things that are trying to to work <clears throat> on on that cramping. But yes, it's uh, night cramps are pretty typical. Uh, I've also had night sweats throughout all of this, and. Uh, and predominantly in the neck area, prednisone caused some of that. But I believe the illness has continued to, because I've distanced from prednisone and that treatment for the last six months, I haven't, I haven't had to have treatment in six months now, uh, medical, or, or at least uh, medicinal. And so, so I feel like, yes, I can tell that the illness is causing those crampings, causing those sweatings. It's still pretty, it's not debilitating, but it's not great. Not great at all. Yeah, the, 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 the sweating, um, is definitely a sarcoidosis related symptom. I mean, um, I've had it and, uh, and I've read enough about it to know that that's quite, quite common. Um, and it was one of the things that was happening to me, you know, I'd be sitting there with a group of people at a business lunch and all of a sudden my face would just, you know, just like, it was crazy. Uh, <laughs> it was almost like my wife used to, you know, when she was having the hot flashes when she went through menopause, you know, but that's kind of what it's like is that hot flash. And, there was no explanation for it. It would pass, and you know, I didn't think much about it. And then, in hindsight, I now know that that was that was something related to to sarcoidosis. But I would have these things where my feet or my legs would cramp, and I'd have to get up and and like stretch and walk it off. Like there was no denying that this was going to happen, and and that I still suffered that a little bit. So it would be like in my calf. And, and it would feel like I was bruised the next morning. Is that you're nodding your head? So is that what you were getting also? Exactly. Exactly what I've experienced. And I, part of what drew me to, to, you know, checking in with you and, and connecting is we've lived similar lifestyles. I'm, I'm not anywhere near as prolific on a bike as you are, but, uh, but I'm a, we can talk about that maybe later, but I'm a tour guide. I'm a traveler. I'm a travel writer. Um, I, I played sports my entire life. Lots of pickleball as of late, and other you know other things that are keeping me moving. And so, having been somebody who's used to going, to feel those crampings, I, that's that I would expect that sometimes either in my after workouts, you know, pre sarcoidosis, or in sedentary life, which I'd had before with some surgeries and other things and you know, tonsil surgeries or whatever, and I've sat for a while. But these are these come on with a vengeance, without a lot of warning and without a lot of explanation, other than just the illness. So let's let's bring in that whole aspect of your life where you are a tour guide because you've done some amazing stuff uh, guiding people through the Middle East. Let's 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 hear about that because I'm intrigued. Thanks for your intrigue. I, it's been a fun part of life. Um, I won't go back too far, but I will tell you that uh, I'm also an old director of marketing, and so I, I when I was in eighth grade, people would say, well, "What's your dream?" And I would say, "I'm gonna." I'm going to sell Franklin Day planners to American Express one day and everyone will have one in their office. And, you know, I, I, 
I, I want to meet people and I want to give them a product that I feel is good. And, and so um, I moved from that world um, and, and maybe the director of marketing income, if you will, to being a teacher a few years ago. And so uh, about 25 years ago now. And so in the move, uh, I had to make some changes and, and we still, my wife and I were still very much interested in uh, the lifestyle of traveling and exposing our kids to the world and people that have different views and opinions and foods and things that we do. And so the segue to that is um, I've been, become a travel writer and have uh, worked with an international travel magazine for years. And then again, that segue, the, the particular education that I chose uh, or the teaching career that I chose has me teaching religious education. So I teach the Bible and other scripture throughout the day um, in my day job. And that segued well to let's take people to where those those events took place, you know, the New and the Old Testament and and uh, scripture. So I so yes, since uh, uh, 2015, I've started taking folks to Israel and and the, you know that that whole area and uh, what what affectionately is known as the Holy Land, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and again, that's one of the indicators with Sark that is rough for me. Is I'm used to 10 miles a day for 10 days. Let's let's go do 100 miles in the Middle East and show people the the people and the cultures and the, the foods and so many different good things. And yes, teach along the way what I've been teaching in my day job in in scripture. And so I love that. I love I love being on the move and 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 exposing people to things that are interesting to them and and maybe that are new to them. Uh, cultures, you know, obviously with the terrible war that's going on right now and suffering that's happening, um, I, I have friends on both sides and it's it's deeply um, troubling for me. And so to not be able to be there and to not um, be able to check in is rough. But but again, that's uh, all of that got put on hiatus December of 2022 and all of this came into play. And so it's been life rocking in many ways. So you say 10 miles a day, I, you know, when I think of, of tour guides, well, not necessarily me so much, but I think typically you think of somebody who's standing in front of the bus while you're driving through and, and they've got this cadence and they're pointing to things on the right and the mm-hmm. left. And, but, but you're doing 10 miles of walking a day. You're, so you're not, you're not on the bus <laughs> pointing, yeah. pointing out stuff to, uh, the quote unquote ugly Americans in their white <laughs> sneakers. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> but, I, but I just I have a certain it. stereotypical view of that. I don't mean to offend anybody, but I mean, that's, but that's not what the point is, is that's not what you were doing. You were walking through, can you like ruins of, of yeah. uh, historic biblical sites? Can you, can you give us a little more detail? Oh yeah, you bet. Um, here's the goodness of what I've, I've had a chance to do. Um, I started with a, a little bit larger company, which was what you just described, 48 people on a bus. I did two tours in that form. Uh, we'd feed them on the bus or we'd give them options of, you can have this cheese sandwich or we'll stop and you can get shawarma or falafel, which is you know pretty typical in the area. And, uh-huh. and, uh, and they had very many, you know, few options and, and many hours to put on the bus and, and that tour guide view. And to be honest, after twice of doing that, I said, this isn't me. Uh-huh. What would be me is I'd like to give people um, nice opportunities to stay in good places. I'd like to give them chances to meet people um, more on the streets, more let's spend time with individuals, let's go eat foods that are local, um, that aren't you know just packaged and, and put on a bus. And so part of my reasoning for moving the last, uh, again, my first two years of going was, was what you just described. And then my last 
six years of that, um, minus COVID causing some grief, right? But um, that experience has been very much entrenched in, yes, walking the streets, being with people. If you're in the old town, if you're in old city Jerusalem, that's walking anyhow. There really are no vehicles. There are vehicles that come through there, but those are locals that live there. But yes, walking through ruins, yes. Um, and, and I'm big on also giving people not just the religious experience, but let's, we start in Tel Aviv on the Mediterranean. Let's go swim and let's have an experience and uh, maybe play volleyball with the locals. And then in the morning when we're up and we're working our way down to Jericho and, and having an experience there or, or floating in the Dead Sea. I mean, all of those things are very interactive as opposed to what you described, which is just let's listen to somebody on a bus. I, I, I couldn't do that myself. I think I'd go a little stir crazy. Mm-hmm. So I try and pattern a, a tour mm-hmm. after what I would like, which is let's get entrenched. Let's go find people and love them. So, yeah, so there's there's always this sort of tourist versus traveler uh, right. comparison, right? And very much so. Um, and and I've be, I've been both. Uh, I've been I've been the tourist on the bus. But uh, as a as a reporter, you know, I've had kind of unprecedented access to different things at different times in my life when I wanted them. Um, and I always always thought that I fancied myself more as a traveler. You know, um, (laughs) and I'm usually, you know, I've got a fairly sophisticated camera and, you know, I like to, the long lenses and all that. And I, you know, I really want to get into it, you know, and really like understand and and meet the people and understand the people at their level, uh, not just the homogenized version of things. So that's, that's what you're providing to people in, in Jerusalem, which is, um, even before the war, that would have sounded a little daunting, I think, to, to most people. Yeah, that, that area, that region uh, causes people to raise eyebrows for sure. And, and, and yet, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm careful to tell people, you start in Tel Aviv and that's beach life. I mean, you're Mediterranean, so it's like the Mediterranean anywhere else, or maybe even like Pacific Coast, or, or if you're on your neck of the woods, you know, you're down in Daytona Beach. I mean, there's, there's, there's equivalence to that. And so beach life isn't, isn't too atypical. However, you do see a minaret to the distance and you can hear call to prayer and you do have individuals that are, you know, not serving uh, meat and milk at the same time in a, a Jewish kosher restaurant. And, and so I, I love those experiences, but that's nothing to really be afraid of in beach life if you've done travel. And then we take people down to the Dead Sea region and that and, and south of there and toward the Red Sea and, and or to the Red Sea also. And those, those things are very uh, desert life. Nobody really wants to inhabit or fight too much over what's happening there. Mm-hmm. We take folks up to the Sea of Galilee, Tiberias, that area. And same thing, that's lake life. If you've ever had life on the lake or you've had a vacation, a lake vacation, that's beautiful and wonderful. And, right. and it feels just very much lake life. And so the, the word they use, and this isn't a, a, a an Israeli word, I think it's actually Russian based, but Balagan means uh, controlled chaos. The Balagan doesn't happen until you're into Jerusalem. And then that's a little bit crazy. Um, then it's a little bit rough, but but I have many, many friends there and, and, and I know when to go to the right spots. And and so anyway, to, to, you know, to bring maybe this piece of what we've talked about to a little bit of a close, just to say, gosh, loving people and loving regions and, and loving understanding and what you talked about in your world of taking that lens and 
and literally taking the photos, but also taking the wide swath of, of, of the world. I love that. And to, to have been pinned down for the last year with this illness and not able to go and do that has been maybe mentally as taxing and as hard as the physical that I'm experiencing with Sark. So yeah. I, I love it and I miss it. So you mentioned you are, you are no longer on any medications. Is that true? None? Yeah, we, uh, the good news is, um, again, with the Herford syndrome of sarcoidosis, when it comes on, it comes on with a vengeance. It's quick, it's harsh, and that shows a, a different version of SARC. Um, and then the other players that I have, uh, yes, are still there, but like anyone else, I have flares. And so all of that kind of, you know, coming into play, um, you're... Remind me of your question. Sorry. Well, so so have you have you have you weaned yourself completely off of prednisone, medication, for example? Yeah, medication. Yes. Yeah, I I started and and I feel like a again a little weak sauce when I talked to you and know that you were up to eighty uh, milligrams, right? I I started at fifty, and that was crazy hard for me and my body to experience, and and then uh, zero dig at Salt Lake City, but I I don't know that we have the doctor. Um, strength here that, that you know, you've experienced in Cleveland, that Denver has, and I think they're aware of that. My good doctor that's here was the, the one that mentioned National Jewish in Denver. And so um, knowing that they don't have a lot of the backgrounds there, um, I, I get the formulary. It's give him, give him the medicine, let's start him on 50 of prednisone and work from there. Um, I, I don't know if I could have been on less, but it took a while to wean off of that. Um, yes, they were adamant, as, as the research suggests, of not keeping me on it for too long. And so I started on it in January of, of, this, of 2023. And uh, by June, I was, I was done um, having weaned off prednisone entirely. And then I was taking uh, other medications. I think they had me on a Dapsone, which is a... Hmm. Uh, it's an antibiotic that's connected with uh, often actually treatment for leprosy of all things. Hmm. Um, but they'd had me on a strong antibiotic with concerns hmm. of, of some of the things that I was working through. And so both of those I was able to wean down off of. And then with all the testing that took place in June, um, the suggestion right now, like many SARC folks, right, is that um, it's sixes as to whether the prednisone is really giving help or is it, you know, or are you doing that on your own? And so right now they've got me on nothing so that I can, I can see if the baseline is that nothing will work or do I need to go back on some sort of a, a regimen? But I, I appreciated one of your most recent podcast responses of you talked about having a flare and having the wonder of would I really go back in and go through everything or would I just let it ride and uh, your wife feeling the same and that really resonated with my heart because I don't know that I would tell you I'd go back on prednisone again and I don't I don't I'm not suggesting that for any of your listeners but it's been a rough wrestle for me to determine should I or shouldn't I yeah for sure for sure yeah when you know when you start this journey you don't know what's around the next corner you go to the doctor, the doctor says, well, you've got this and we recommend this and, uh, and, you, and you go and, you know, the next thing you know, you're, you're uh, sitting in a chair and you're getting, uh, you know, uh, cytoxin treatments, chemotherapy treatments for me. Uh, and, and, you know, it's just one thing after another, after another, after another, and then your body starts to feel a certain way and you feel a certain way. And, and you don't know whether it's the sarcoidosis or whether it's the, the treatment. Um, and, and it becomes, 
it becomes a life that when you look back on it, you think, you know, for me, at least right now, I'm able to look back on it because I'm not currently going through that. But uh, it's like, you got to ask yourself, what, you know, would I do that again, knowing what I know now? And, you know, in 80 grams of prednisone, I don't know how my wife lived with me. Um, you know, I just, I was, I had such a hair trigger and, and I was so miserable and, and uh, you know, and I looked like crap and I felt like crap and it was, it was bad. Um, so, so if you had to go out and do that snow shoveling today that you, um, that, that, that sort of alerted you to the, to the problem, could you do it? Oh, great question. In fact, uh, I mean, don't tell my wife, but here's, uh, here's the last week, right? We've had a pretty good squall, a couple of squalls that have hit here in, in Salt Lake. And, uh, yeah, yesterday I was out and, and did my yard and my, you know, my, my stretch again and my neighbors across the street and the one next door and 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 because i yeah i'm still gonna fight that i i think i think the same ironically the same things that i'm missing and maybe some of my tour guiding and things of connecting with people um and wanting to feel vital in life and 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 recognize yet yeah, the smallness that i have and who i am you know that i'm small compared to the world i still feel that way in sark uh world i i I asked in Denver in June those questions of, "Hey, is this going to come back again if I, if I physically exert myself?" And their response was, "We don't think so." And so, um, I, with trepidation, I've been very scared to do some of those things. If I'm frank, um, I did have during my my experience in Denver a couple of. I, I'm kind of a, I'm a pusher, and so. Um, when it came to, I have what affectionately I call the Lance Armstrong test as part of my uh, experiences where they put the mask on and the oxygen and you ride the bike. And yeah, the sweet two uh, women that were working with me in Denver, they said, Hey, it's our job to wear you out today. And I said, bring it on. Let's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to push you to the, the limits then. And they laughed and I said, I'm not kidding. I, I won't mm-hmm. stop until you tell me to stop. And so, uh-huh. um, I, I did the tests and all went well. I did another test a couple of days later on the treadmill, similar. And it wasn't until the end of my week in, in National Jewish where my doc said, hey, they had to stop you. You were at dangerously high levels. You're, you, you're going to be on some blood pressure medication for a while. You, did, you went into hurtful levels. And so what the body's doing with Sark, as I'm saying, I'm going to keep pushing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still trepidatious of all of that and worried, but but to answer your question, yeah, I did shovel again yesterday, and and I and I, much to my wife's chagrin, I still want to want to try and live life where I can, and yet I'm paying prices for it today. So yeah. I, yeah. I can feel it. So you you feel like that physical exertion is the actual trigger. You 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 think that that's what's bringing on. I always thought of it as. I want to do what I could do yesterday, but now I can't because something happened in the meantime, but you feel like the exertion itself is the trigger. No, good question. No, no. I originally worried that that would be, uh-huh. and they've assured me from a medical standpoint in Denver that no, that's not the case. And so I've, I've returned to some regimen of that. And so no, I, I'm not under the belief that that's causing it. I, 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 I say that mentally, and yet there's also a side of me that says, but is it going to come back? Is it going to come back like it did that crazy day when it, you know, when it first came on? And so I, I can't say I've experienced that. I do still have some swelling in my eyes and things that happen in the cold. I do believe the cold is causing some issue, um, but not so much the physical exertion like you. I, 
no, I, I know I'm going to pay the price for it the next day. And I do. That's, that's where I am today is I'm not good from yesterday shovels, but, but it's okay. I still think in the long run, building your, your inner, your, your strength from whether it's shoveling, whether it's riding a bike, whether it's lifting weights in the gym or, or, or walking or, you know, whatever, whatever your chosen, uh, torture is as it were um for exert i still think that it makes you stronger and makes you better able to fight off a lot of this stuff my doctors have told me to stay as, as active as i possibly can so you're here i i feel the same and, yeah, and that's yeah. mentally physically emotionally each of those things i benefited more when i'm continuing to move and so and yet maybe outside the sark world if there are folks listening to you and i they may not understand what that means because sure that that's everybody's hopefully mantra is keep moving and and mm -hmm. yet they don't realize the, the price you're going to pay after that experience often and and not always that's the interesting thing too is some days i'll pay desperately for it the day after and other days i'm i'm okay and i'm keeping moving and so uh, you know welcome to sarcoidosis right some days you say gosh I did that. I mean, I'll give you an example. My my family and I recently returned from Disneyland and had a good experience. I've got a two year old grandbaby, and uh, we took her for her birthday there and had a great time. and And the walking side of there and the the act, active involvement, great. I had no problems. I it was rainy and cold, and there were some other effects of that. But but I was fine for several days and coming and going fine. So you know, I can do the the most rigorous of things and have no problems. And then I can do the smallest of things and have repercussions the next day. And you know what that feels like. So does, sure. so does this audience as they're listening. They do. They do. How about your diet? Have you changed your diet at all? That's a great question too. I, I, I want to tell you that I have, and that I'm super, um, you know, anti-inflammatory health-based great. Uh, the truth is I'm known as the foodie and that's a bad thing. You know, you, among your friends and your family, my, my friends and family know that if you need somewhere to go back in my medical marketing and sales days, um, I would, I'm the guy that would take people to lunch. And so, um, if that's the case and I long story, but I also have a diagnosable, um, condition where I, the nerves in my stomach don't work. So if I, I, I can go hours and days without eating, or I can eat fair amounts of food and neither one really affects me in a, in a way of getting full or getting hungry. Hmm. So I would take folks to lunch. Uh, sometimes I'd take an 11.30 lunch appointment and a 1.30 so I could get work done. You know how that's the business world sometimes works. Sure. And, yeah. and so, um, so I'm the foodie. And so because that's true, friends and family call and say, hey, where are we going to eat? What are we doing? And so I've had to be more conscious of my selections, but, but I'm still, you know, I, no, I can't tell you that I've been as good at that. And I, I look forward to that. Maybe there's my new year's resolution, right? Welcome to January of 2024. Yeah. Um, I, I've always been drawn to vegetables and fruits anyhow. And so I, I, I don't have a big sugar habit. So those things are good, but, um, but I still enjoy good foods and there are some of them that I know aren't helping my circumstance in Denver. Uh, my cardiac doc there says, you know, he's big on, he wanted to get me to a plant-based diet and, and nothing else. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I feel good when I'm eating good. And so, how about you? How, how have you, what have you managed in the food world? I, I have, I have gone all the way from something called the elimination diet. Um, and, and I can put a link to, um, to, uh, a, a nourish by Lindsay, 
which is uh, a woman who was helping me out, Lindsay Nuremberg, who was helping me out a lot. Her husband has sarcoidosis and she's a dietitian. Um, and she was, she had me eating not just like peanut butter, but a certain kind of peanut butter, you know, without mm. all the junk in it. And, and, and I'm, so I was, and, and I felt great, uh, but I was eating very specific things all the time. Um, and for me that, you know, willfulness will get you just so far, but when there's a picnic and the whole family is there and the grandkids and what everybody has brought is, you know, pasta salad, then you just eat the pasta salad, you know? Um, so, so that's, uh, that's what, um, I would like to say that I'm eating better. Uh, last night we had lasagna because we had the whole family over. It was the, e the easiest way to feed 14 people. So, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing what I know and think that I should be doing. And when I eat anti-inflammatory foods, I feel better. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and otherwise it's just, I just know that I'm going to take one for the team and my legs are going to feel sarky later. And that's just, I'm just going to have to do that. But again, you know, it's January. So I'm back in the gym. I, you know, I'm a, a longtime YMCA member. So I've been back in the gym and, uh, riding my, um, indoor bike because the weather hasn't really been conducive to outdoor riding and, you know, doing, doing whatever I can do to, uh, to stay ahead of the curve. But, uh, the, the nutrition is something that would complete that a little bit better. And I'm, I'm, I'm not doing what I, what I should. So you and I both new year's resolution, yeah, right? Yeah. So I, I don't want you to do as I say, not as I do type situation from, from the, uh, host of the podcast. So you said you kind of wanted to help because you were looking around and you're trying to figure out the sarcoidosis landscape, such as it were. There's other foundations out there besides FSR uh, who who I've landed with, um, Bernie Mac and so forth. Um, and my advice to you was that FSR was the placeholder in the whole SARC community. But um, what 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 do you think you might want to do to help? Uh, and or what have you found in terms of what's out there? Is you because you're only a year into this, and and you're kind of where I was a few years ago, sort of trying to figure out what's going on in the sarcoidosis world. What have you, what did you find? Um, most of what <clears throat> what I've been doing, and again, I'm that same maybe zeal for life type of you know I'm going to go get it. That I'm grateful for it, but that will also follows my trajectory of what took place with the illness. When I got sick, I was, I'm not typical, my family's not used to seeing me get sick. And so I was immediately into ER. I was quickly into primary care physicians. I was following up with um, specialists and on my own because of some of my medical marketing and sales background, I think I knew how to get in and see some specialists very quick. And, and to the point when I first saw my first SARC doc, he said, wow, there's, you've got a lot in the system. Like you've, you've turned over a, a lot of leaves to get to even where I am at this point. He's usually used to seeing people that he's got to give them those appointments now. And so I had, I, I've been to literally now dozens of doctors in making sure that I'm okay in lots of areas. That same zeal caused me to go look for the sarcoidosis community and and who's doing good things both local so i've looked at the university of utah here and working with intermountain health as, as i you know stand 
but I've also started to look into, yes, um, FRC, uh, Bernie Mac, um, maybe some other players that I, I saw that didn't have as reputable of a, a side of things. When I saw National Institute of Health connected with FRC, wonderful. I'm Now I'm starting, you're speaking my language. I, I speak FSR, FSR, oh, yeah. My apologies. Yeah, no, that's okay, um, that's all right. FSR. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it, that's speaking my language because National Institute of Health. I'm a science-based, you know, I, I I believe in research and let's get to where we need to be. And so, um, knowing that FSR was the uh, the option, the best option, your question about involvement, then my my take is great. How do I lend myself now that I I feel like this is something that's I, I know it's something worthwhile and I can see the goodness behind it. How do I lend myself to that? How do I let people who are feeling unheard like I have felt for a year, how do I help them be heard? How do I be a resource, maybe a, a liaison where people can reach out to to me or, or others like me and you and, and have some empathy for what they're experiencing? Um, I, by all means, I know I'm not clinically um, you know, able to give any recommendations, nor would I, but but from a person to the same thing that causes me to be a tour guide and to have, have obtained all of those other parts of answers to life, boy, I'd love to help other people. I, one of the things you and I talked about previous is I, I, I love your podcasts and yet much like what we've experienced here in however long we, we talk, it could be that 38 seconds of that uh, podcast just maybe the answer to bringing somebody some peace for the day. Um, that's what happened when I, I love, you know, I've loved many of the episodes I've listened to from you, but like I mentioned, the portion where you talked about you and your wife and that mutual, um, you know, experience of having gone through this and, and the discussion you both would have had of, can we do that again? And would we do that again? Boy, that piece just resonates strong with me. So what if we created a database of of, uh, you know, are you feeling this today? And, and here's a 38 second clip of, yeah, there are people that know what you're experiencing. And so whether it's the human side of connecting with people, whether it's um, helping to put together resources, whether it's my marketing and sales background that that at some point could it help, um, you know, FSR or, or, or folks that are behind that, that made me reach out to you and say, Here's a reputable good man who he and I, I feel like you're kindred spirit in that let's, let's do lots of good things. Um, how can we help? And so that's where my, my reach out first came. Right. Well, FSR has lots of uh, volunteer opportunities where those of us who are lay people can uh, assist other, other folks who are looking for a support group or, or looking to lead a support group or just need someone to talk to or don't know um, if they are <clears throat> wrong in thinking that, you know, their local doctor just isn't good enough because they don't know enough about sarcoidosis, nothing against their local doctor, but it's not the same as going to a sarcoidosis clinic where everybody who walks through the door has some version of this thing and the doctors are just used to it. They, and they know, they know the medical dosing right down to the, you know, to as close as they can get it right. And, and they know when something's looking right, when something's looking wrong. Um, and that's just cause it's day-to-day -day experience. So, uh, you know, people have reached out to me and I, you know, I've had a good experience at Cleveland. I hear great things about Johns Hopkins, about national Jewish, uh, and I don't mean to leave anybody out, but there, you know, there are some organizations out there that sort of rise to the top that you, that you just hear about more and more and more. How far do you have to travel to go to national Jewish? 
it's about eight hours in a drive or, or we can hop a flight and that's not, you know, that's very reasonable. It's a 45 minute flight over. I mean, it's, it's tiny. Uh-huh. What's that cost? Um, we haven't taken the flight yet. The drive was, you know, I mean, we probably about a thousand dollars in to round trip to stay for a week. And, you know, again, the hospitals are great. They try and partner with folks that are, are reasonable for hotel and, you know, accommodations in that form. Um, but you're going to end up eating out unless you have a place to, to cook and, you know, mm-hmm. someone to connect with. And so, uh, we chose to take our vehicle this last time so that we could uh, move around a little and, and, and that was a, a wise decision because, um, much probably, I, I don't know if this is true of Cleveland, but, um, national Jewish being a, a very great pulmonary and cardio, uh, cardiac side of things, uh, hospital. We need, I did need to go outside for the uh, optical care and, and checkups. And so there are, I would have had to have done the same for thyroid. So there's some, some things that involvement that I have, that's not uh, really under the roof of, of national Jewish. And so having a vehicle was just a little smoother. I'm sure that we could have rented, but like you say, costs start to build. And, and so we're mindful of that. I'm, I'm, I'm super intrigued at what this community spends on wellness. Mm-hmm. My guess is it's, it's deep. Mm-hmm. My guess is whether it's, again, uh, like we've already mentioned, uh, anti-inflammatory diet uh, that, that, you know, it's, a, it's easy to grab a dog at Costco for a buck 50 in a soda and you're out the door, but that's not going to be your blessing for the day for health. And so, so this comes with a cost, you know, it comes with costs on every avenue. And, and so you're right, if I could help people that are, are wrestling through all of those things, uh, whether it's a group, and I don't know if Salt Lake City even has a group for it yet. I, I, you and I will have to talk off, offline and let's, you know, I, I, yes, I wanna be involved in helping individuals find a quality in life as they work through this, knowing that there is no cure. And then let's be frank, I want a cure. I, 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 want, mm-hmm. I don't want somebody to have to go through what you and I are going through. Right. And so I'll, I'll not end until I can help in that process. Very good. Well, uh, welcome to the community. And I've got some 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 ideas and some people I can put you in contact with and and uh, see if you can't, you know, make a, a more uh, robust contribution than you already are here by just joining us and sharing your story. Well, if your caliber, I want to be with them. If they're your caliber. I, I want to be with those folks. So thank well, you. Thank you. Thank you, Perry. Uh, so now the question is: Is when will you be able to go back to leading these tour groups through Jerusalem? You're gonna you're gonna have to wait. Is, if your health, uh, what's what's stopping you right now? The war or your health or both? Uh, good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> probably, uh, I, I chuckle a little because I, I don't want the health to ever be the stop. And so, um, when you say is the health stopping me? You're going to have to drag me if that's the case, right? Um, and so, sadly, I, war is keeping all of us from that region, and and it again is just tragic that there are, are folks suffering and, and people dying, and and that's what's keeping us now from returning. Um, will I return at, when the possibility is there? Yes, I will. That's that's a home away from home. I have dear friends that are there, and and I I want to go back and contribute to. The economy of what's happening um, on both sides, because again, I spend time on both sides of, of you know, in a Palestinian-controlled uh, territory and in Israel, and 
and so I, I, I can see me quickly getting back there. And, and yet that's a bold thing to say on the day that I'm having today, you know, on a day like I'm feeling, I, I don't, if, if I were to try and put 10 miles in today, like we've done um, in the past, I'd be suffering greatly. And I, I don't know if I could be there and present for the people that, you know, that need to go have that experience. So, so that's a good question. I don't know. I, I, like you, I'm continuing to try and physically build my stamina back up to, to go and do things like that. And, and if not, that's something else that, that helps people. I, when all of this hit, I was an ecclesiastical leader um, for my church in this area and, and I've since stepped away from that. Um, I was moved in work. I had just been moved to a, a, a different university to try and help with some marketing there at the University of Utah, uh, adjacent to there to help with some marketing with the program that I work for. And, and I, I asked to be moved closer to home. So instead of a, an hour to get ready for work and an hour to drive and an hour to teach and an hour to come home, that's four hours of, of hard SARP time. Um, mm -hmm. Now I, I teach about five minutes from my home oh, and nice. bless my, my supervisors. They've been great to work with me. And so I, I intend on doing the things that would minimize some of the stresses that I can relate to and, and, and can con control. And then I plan on getting back to maybe not back to life before. I, I don't know, maybe John, you could speak to this, but have you felt have you felt that sarcoidosis has, you were a busy reporter, busy, I mean, you're up early, you're up late, you're doing lots of things. There is a part of me with sarcoidosis right now that says, there are some parts that have forcibly been taken from me that I'm frankly kind of glad I don't have that part of life right now. Um, I, I don't, I didn't need to be doing everything for everybody. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate that sarcoidosis is what it took to, remove some of that, but uh, do you find that, that some of the, the jet setter running crazy lifestyle that ha has to be reduced because of the illness, that, that it's not bad that that's gone away? I don't know. I don't know how much I have finished mourning my previous life, the loss of my previous life or not. Um, like you, uh, a lot of it revolved around physical activity. Um, a simple simple example that maybe a lot of people could relate to is yard work you know i would i would be out there <clears throat> in just about any kind of weather condition you know trimming around the shrubs and always always trying to make sure the yard looked perfect and, and i mean i enjoyed it um but it was you know it was sometimes backbreaking you know pushing wheelbarrows full of stuff um and i can't i can't do that anymore it just wears me out. I mean, I go out and do it for a couple of hours and I have to come in and sit on the couch. And um, some, some of that's aging, you know, but, but some of it's sarcoidosis and my legs will never be what they once were. Um, so uh, I don't know. I, I think I still wish I could do it. I, I don't know that I'm over it yet. Um, and I wish I could run and I can't run. My, my legs just don't they're they're just gangly and awkward and and it's it's just not worth it you know i don't get that fun sensation when you know when you're a runner and you you get into that rhythm where you've been out say you know for a, a six to eight mile run somewhere after two miles you're just doing it and you get the endorphin rush and runner's it's not high like, they call it yeah the runner's high yeah um but it's not it's no longer strenuous at that point you're just you're just going 
and and you're not even thinking you're thinking about your day you're thinking about whatever but your feet are just doing their thing and and you're going along and um I, you know i will never be able to get to that again and uh, that's a special place that i probably will always mourn not being able to get to <clears throat> i can get to that on the bicycle some because uh for what you know your your feet are attached to the pedal and the pedal sort of dictates the motion for your legs and that takes care of it um but but it's not the same as running it's not so yeah i'm with you i i i feel the same for I mean, you and i both share a love of fishing um yeah, i fishing. I'll, yeah. I'll go to idaho in the summer and take three or four days and and purposely go somewhere my cell phone doesn't work and we go fish for salmon up on the salmon river and and as i as i go up there um there's to get down to the river is in most of the, the places where i find a good hole it's probably a 25 to 30 foot drop in steep, deep sand and rock mm-hmm. and I climb back up that again. And again, I'm used to doing those things. I'm with you. I, I mourn if I'm not able to do, I haven't been back to try that yet. I didn't get to do that last year. I want to this year. If I can't do that again, I like you, I'm going to mourn because that's, I want that. I guess more what I was asking is the side of, um, your workplace. And, and this is no dig. Your work's been wonderful. They've, in fact, they've, embraced and, and broadcasted what your experience mm, blessed all of us because of it. But work has mm. a certain draw of we need you at this hour and we, we need you here and, and you need to, you know, I, I've had some time this year with family medical leave and, and uh, because of being on family medical leave and having to hourly sometimes step away from work because of, of illness and problems. Um, in, in all of it, there are some of the minutia of, of life things that I, frankly, I, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm not, which sure helped me dial into last night was date night with my grandbaby. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'll take every ounce of that second, you know, every yeah. second of that, that every, every, every minute I can be with her. And that's wonderful. Um, and I would gladly trade for that. Um you know, a business meeting where, and I, and I don't mean that hurtful. I, I, my meetings are great actually that, that I'm in, but some of the things that I've, I've, some of the things that uh, hours, uh, I'm, I'm a travel writer and I've spent hours and hours and hours on emails and communicating with people and connecting so that I could make a trip happen and come together in a way that people would enjoy. And I could write about it. That was enjoyable. Um, I don't need as many of those emails anymore. I don't need as many of the, uh, it's really helped me dial into what's important. Yeah. Priorities, right? I mean, no, no doubt. There is no doubt in my mind that sarcoidosis has helped me figure out that, uh, you know, family is super important and, you know, and, and the job is, uh, you know, I have, I have a job that is rewarding and, uh, it makes me, uh, I'm a news anchor, right? So I'm, I'm just like right out in front of all kinds of stuff all the time. And, and I, I take a certain amount of pleasure from that. But like you said, uh, I'd rather spend that time with grandkids or with family or, you know, just doing things that, that uh, I know are going to be there permanently in my life. Um, because, you know, work is work and there's turnover. And, and you just as soon as you feel like you've really befriended somebody, they say, oh, I have an opportunity in another state and I'm moving on. And, and that's the reality of uh, living in a, a small city where you know the television it's it, it's like baseball 
right? You, nobody goes into professional baseball to play double A for their whole life. They, you know, they want right. to make the majors, right? So in TV, you want to, you want to get maybe to, uh, you know, New York or Chicago or LA or Houston or, you know, some major city or the network. You, you, your goal is not to be in Roanoke. Uh, whereas my goal has been to be in Roanoke because I can control my day-to-day life a little bit more. And it's been a great place to raise a family. And there's absolutely zero traffic and, um, and we have, but we have the arts and amenities and the outdoors and all the things that I like. So, you know, fishing, um, this is, this is a good place for me, but, but the people at work come and go, they come and go and, you know, whether they're managers above me or, uh, or, uh, producers and reporters who are just brand new, you know, our newsroom is full of 20 somethings and they're going to, they're going to spend two years here and they're going to move on. So, um, who am I beholden to? Right. I, you know, uh, I like that, but, but the grandkids are, uh, they're mine and, and, and I've got seven of them and, and, and wonderful. four of them were here last night. It was just one, it was chaos, but it was wonderful. Awesome. Right. E- eating the bad lasagna. It was great. lasagna. <laughs> well, and you bad for me, right. Yeah. You described also uh, similar. I mean, I, I, to be honest, that's why I left the medical sales world years ago and banking and other things that I'd done previous to come be a teacher. I, I, the connection with people, the chance to, to make a difference in kids' lives, that will never change for me. And so I, I'm doing everything I can to maintain my career because I love the students. I'll, I'll go to lunch later today with two of my former students that, you know, I taught in, in 2000. And uh, those, two, those two men and their families, to stay connected there and, and to see growth. And yeah, I'm with you. I, I sarcoidosis for me as well has allowed me to be reminded that's where people is where it's at and the connections and the opportunities and the, and the running arounds that I had to do to, to, you know, I, I, maybe sometimes I ran three miles in one, right. To, to make, to make everything come together. And sarcoidosis has helped me stick to that one mile in one. Mm-hmm. And to see that people and and people really are the treasures of life, and that that's anything I can do to help them have their best experience in in the midst of their hardships, I'm in. Let's go. So, good deal. Well, Perry, we've been talking for nigh on to an hour now. I want to thank you for for joining me here on the podcast and for reaching out. And we had a we had a, an extended phone call prior to today's interview. Got to know each other a little bit, and uh, I'm just really impressed with your energy and what you want to try and do to help. And I'm I'm glad to see that you're you're feeling better than you were. Thank you, John. You're a great soul, and I I look to partner with and and continue to help anybody we can. And and. God bless you and your your battle and, and all the listeners you've got and, and what they're experiencing. I I really do hope the very best for folks and, and life is fragile and yet uh, you know in the in the weaknesses is to be found. Uh, maybe you know maybe the phrase is there's terrific in the terrible. And so uh, thanks for helping me talk through that a little bit today and, and thanks for all you're doing. I feel like a zombie. Just feeding at stumbling So thank you to Perry. Thank you so much. He is an interesting guy. He's done so many things. And he uh, he contacted me. We had a conversation on the phone before he would agree to come on the podcast. He wanted to find out what I was all about, which, you know, I appreciate that um, because... 
<clears throat> I value people who who want to, you know, check out what's going on. I, I'm not suggesting that everybody uh, do that. And I don't know that I have time, but he he wanted to come on the podcast, but he just kind of wanted to wanted to check me out a little bit. And, and I'm glad he did, but I'm glad that we have this conversation. And uh, I've introduced Perry to some of the folks at FSR because he's very interested in volunteering there in, in, uh, in Utah where he lives. And he wants to try and help advance the cause. And I feel like he's one of these people who can do that. Uh, and he's also offered to help me with a podcast. And I'm trying to figure out maybe uh, some good ways that, that we can do that. So um, that's coming up. But speaking of that, it helps me reach more people and grow the show if you share it on your social media. And I, I know that that works because I recently did a podcast with uh, John Makoviak, who is a caregiver to his wife, Janet, in episode 100. And he and Janet have a lot of contacts in the sarcoidosis space, but he shared it and Janet did far and wide. And I can see the difference in the number of downloads because it's about double the normal podcast. So it definitely works if you would, if you just grab the link and share it on your social media, tell people in the sarcoidosis space and, and just get the word out there about the podcast or not about the podcast in general, but maybe something specific, maybe a researcher that I interviewed or, or maybe um, a patient whose story really resonates with you. It just, it helps the podcast, it helps FSR, and it just makes it all feel like this is, uh, that this is worth it. Not that it isn't, but let's make it more worth it, okay? Um, I got to tell you, the official Sark Fighter song is called Zombie by Mark Steyer, who reached out to me almost as soon as I started this podcast. He's a musician, plays in a band called the White Hot Lizards, and he's also a fellow Sark fighter, and you can hear the story behind the lyrics back in episode 12. Uh, I do release the podcast every other Monday. As I'm speaking today, my trusty dog, Dougal Boxer, is not in the chair in my office because my wife is home and he's with her, but we have a new puppy that we just adopted from the SPCA. It's a Labrador mix, and her name is Shandy. And she is curled up right here at my feet today in my office. And Shandy is making my life so much better, um, taking the pinch hitting, if you will, for Dougal, who's downstairs hanging out with Mary. Okay, the backstory to the founding of the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson. Don't forget to follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook as the Sark Fighter, Instagram, and Peloton. If you happen to have a Peloton exercise device, you can just search for Sark Fighter and you can find me. And I have a cycling blog called Carl and the Cyclist. And there's a section there called Cycling with Sarcoidosis. And if you're new here and just trying to figure out what Sark is, go back and listen to episode two with Dr. Simon Hart. And my story is in episode one. It's been pointed out to me that some people who listen on Spotify can only go back to about episode 10. And I don't know why that is. But the hosting service for this podcast is Podbean. And if you go to podbean.com and search for Sark Fighter, you can um, 
You can find every single episode. And I believe if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can. But if you're having trouble finding those early episodes, please let me know and I will try to get to the bottom of it. And if you want to appear on the podcast or just share a story with me, send me an email. It's in the show notes, carlinagency at gmail.com. Until next time, keep fighting. Learn to suffer, you feel pain someday. Learn endurance, your strength will fade away.